On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are going to be talking about sexual assault. Tell you why. There was a doctor in Toronto, a female doctor, an oncologist, who lost her license because she had a sexual relationship with a patient she was treating. And yet most of the comments, if you go on social media, are saying, lucky guy. How come we look at that when a woman is the perpetrator and say that guy should be considering himself thankful, but if it's a man who's the perpetrator, it's disgusting and offensive. We're going to talk about that video that came out of Washington this week with the students, with the indigenous drummer, and with the black Hebrew people. Did everybody jump to conclusions, and why do we do that? Why do we not wait and find out what's going on? And also, the Academy Awards. Do you care? They're out. The nominations are out. Do any of them spin your wheels, or do you just yawn and go, ah, oh, whatever? All that coming up on the podcast. Enjoy. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Time for the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio. Tonight, the brightest conversation dealing with sunshine and lollipops. Jamie West, a familiar voice and executive director or the executive producer, not executive director, that's something else, executive producer of this show, a guy who fills in all over the place. You know his voice. Jamie, thanks for Thank coming you. in. Thank you. It's nice to see you, Scott. How you doing? I'm well. I, during the break, just before the break, on a complete tangent that I don't really know how I got to, I mentioned Ovaltine. Do you ever have, when you were a kid, did you ever drink Ovaltine? Do you know what Ovaltine is? I do, yeah. I, you know what? I can't really say that I ever remember having a cup of Ovaltine. I think it was something that as a kid, I, I wanted... Even back then, it was an old person drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never really understood what it was. Was it, Is it like a hot chocolate-based drink I think or it's a, is it something else? Well, so I'm going to answer that by... It looked interesting yeah, as a I'm kid. I'm going to answer that question by going somewhere else because during the break, <laughs> after I had mentioned Ovaltine, someone called during the break and I had said, I don't even know if they still make this stuff. Well, apparently there's a place in town where you can still buy it. And Will says, the caller says, oh, and they have all the different flavors. All the different flavors? I thought Ovaltine was just Ovaltine. So did I. It, it just looked like a muddy colored... It was somewhere between coffee and hot chocolate. Yeah, maybe a, like a mocha thing going but on with, there. Uh, you know, this this takes me to those... It, it was healthy, though, wasn't it? Was it? Wasn't, it wasn't that how it was marketed, is it was sort of healthy as opposed to, uh, you know, the Swiss Miss Instant Cocoa stuff or the the N-E-S-T-L-E? Oh, see, that Nestle's was delicious. makes the very best, you know. It, it just makes me think I'm, of other things that we had as that were around in the food department as kids. That oh, I could go on for an hour right and there. And you know what the first thing is that comes to mind? Whatever tang. happened to Tang? Exactly. <laughs> Whatever happened to Tang? I just threw that out there. That was the actual thing you what was thinking ever of. Happened. I'm the amazing Kreskin. And I, uh, several months ago, maybe several years ago, <laughs> I had <laughs> thought about Tang and I thought, the, the cause you know what it was? I had read the book First Man, the amazing, go read yeah. the book First Man about Neil Armstrong. And I always remembered that Tang was the space drink. And I so looked I it up. Have it. it wasn't actually made for the space program. It was made around the time of the space program to take advantage of the public's fascination with it. But they didn't actually take, maybe they took it, but it wasn't built for, for the space NASA. program. Yeah. But yeah, where is Tang? I don't know. I think it's still there, actually. I think you can still Did get you it. Still buy I tang? think you can still, yeah, I think it's still there. Tang and I, every once in a while, yeah, in fact, I know it's there. Every once in a while, I go down that aisle and I, and I look and I spot it and. No, just keep going. Don't don't stop and get it. I've been tempted many times. You know what the other one is? I it's love a hot that. beverage. Sanka. 
What? <laughs> coffee crystals. You don't brew your coffee. You put a spoonful of coffee chunks in. Well, yeah, my mother used to buy that Taster's Choice freeze dried coffee. All the t- that's all she had. In. It's what she had. Boil a kettle like a tea kettle and pour into these. It's yeah, coffee crumbs. Yeah, that you are dehydrated that you put in and hope they all dissolve, or else you just get chewy chunks of coffee. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, was uh, that was weird. I, I and of course I was talking to my kids recently about because uh, they were complaining that I don't bring in enough chocolate milk, you know, pre-made from the dairy, you bring it in in cartons. Which I is said, always way better than the stuff you make yourself. Of course, yourself. but I said to them, don't you realize that when I was a kid, this was a major luxury item to, to, for the chocolate milk to come in a carton. I said, we had uh, Nestle Quick Powder, that you not had even to the liquid scoop in. that you had to scoop in. It would all lump up. It yes. would float up to the top, and, yes. and, it, and it took forever for it to mix up. So you'd give up, and you just put up with the powdery blobs in your mouth and drink it because anyway. Because nothing dissolves in cold beverages. That's right. It, it would dissolve if you made it hot chocolate in the warm milk, but not in the cold milk. By the time you got halfway down your glass of milk, all the stuff <laughs> had settled to the bottom, <laughs> and then you could stir it up, and then it would be really decent. But well, it'll be really rich at that point. Very, very sweet. Yeah, no. Wow, I, um, you really got me going here. Well, no, I it, it all comes from Ovaltine because I just uh, I don't know whatever happened to Ovaltine. It seemed like it was the drink that you were supposed a warm drink you were supposed to have on a cold day. As I say, particularly I think if you were old. I don't know if it was I don't even know if it was designed to be an old person drink, but that's how it was. Oh, you know, I just got a text from someone else who's listening who says, "You know what else we forgot about?" And I know this is still out there, but you don't see the commercials and stuff anymore. Hawaiian Punch. Oh, it's out there. See, now you buy Hawaiian Punch in cans. In or little already, bottles. Or little yeah. bottles. Yeah, in but cans. But you used to have to get the tub, same thing, yeah. scoop in the crystals. Yeah, and then mix a, it up. And then, at, wait, was it Hawaiian Punch or was it Kool-Aid where the giant thing came crashing That was Kool-Aid. That was Kool-Aid, yeah. And you could buy Kool-Aid uh, um, unsweetened or or pre-sweetened. So if you brought it pre-sweetened, it had the sugar mixed into the stuff, That's and you the mix only that way up. To do it. But then you got you had the little tiny envelopes that had no sugar in them. It was just the f- the flavoring, and you had to dump, you know, Nine. seventeen <laughs> cups of of white granulated sugar into the pitcher, and then mix it. It would color up, and it would flavor up, and then you. Were that was it. That's a good yeah. point, though. How come the stuff that was pre-sugared? was sweet enough with just the packet, but if you had no sugar, you had to put in nine <laughs> scoops of sugar. So what the, was their super-duper sugar that they, the super-powered <laughs> sugar there? Anyway. These are the mysteries of life. The mysteries of life, yeah. all that are now gone. If you're too young to remember this, I'm sorry, you missed out. You missed out. You probably missed out on Lola's. You probably missed out on other things. You know, well, one yeah. of these days we'll talk about all the Lola's other stuff. Lola's and Kisco's. Missed. and Oh, man. Where's Tahiti Treat Tahiti anymore Tahiti. either? Like, what's happened to that? That was a, the ultimate soda pop. It's gone. And if anybody who works for those companies is listening, you can sponsor us. We'll, oh, absolutely. We'll do, yeah. we'll do Hawaiian Punch we will all do, day long. We'll do anything well almost <laughs> what we'll do right now is take a break back after this stay with us you're listening to the scott radley show podcast on 900 chml i want to ask you about something that was in the news this week i don't know how many people heard this story i assume a lot of people it was one it's a stunning story but it's more the response that i'm interested in here the background of the story is this in toronto a doctor an oncologist pleaded no contest to sexual abuse and disgraceful, dishonorable, or unprofessional conduct. She was a a cancer doctor who diagnosed a man with a severe form of cancer, started his treatment, and then as he was in his vulnerable, sick state, began a sexual relationship with him of various levels leading right up to sex. 
And anyway, this uh, she got caught and is now without a license. I think most people can look at the problem with a doctor who is overseeing your care being involved in this because what happens if you break up, which they did do, and then what happens, on and on and on. We can all see why doctors are not supposed to get involved with their patients. However, I was reading a bunch of newspapers and online sites and social media places about this story this week. And I would bet you that 80% of the comments were not, what a sick, horrible woman, what a bad doctor, what a, what a, they were all saying, lucky guy. How did he luck out and get the oncologist who could do this with him? Almost, I would say three quarters to four fifths of the comments were, why did he complain about this? Look what he had. And now she's a, she's a reasonably young, she's out of medical school six years. She's reasonably young. She's attractive. So you look at that, but I'm looking, thinking, what would, I would bet you that the number of people who had said lucky her if this had been a breast cancer patient and a male doctor treating her had begun a sexual relationship while she was vulnerable would have been about 1%. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the, the difference. What is the thought process? What's the difference if it's a, and we see this with teachers, with elementary teachers, females who have relationships with young children, grade five, grade six, grade seven. And a lot of people go, oh, that kid's a hero. But if it was a male teacher with a female student, come on. Well, when you say a lot of people, let's let's start right there. Who are the people? You know, when we're when we're looking at when we're looking at social media feeds and comment feeds, Hamilton Spectator or what, any whatever, them. any of them. Who are these people? I I would I would certainly be willing to argue that anybody that wrote a response like that is a male with 14 days growth on his face and weighs about 300 pounds and eats chicken wings all day in his mother's basement. Which could be the case, but do you not believe that there would be a, if not direct as the comments there, there would at least be an acquiescence of a lot of guys who would say similar things. If you were to put a lie detector machine on them, they go, ah, it's not so bad. But do you not think, uh, see, I think that would be the case. I think many guys, if you were to pin them down, were to say, that's not good, but that's not that bad. That's not, you know, come on, there are worse things. That would be the, there there are worse things. But if it was the other way around, it would be a horrendous thing. It would be a horrendous (laughs) thing. Yeah, but it but in this case it okay, but in this case it it it, it wasn't. I mean that 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 I just don't I don't know. I don't know the um I don't know the 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 answer to that other than it's disgusting that anybody would think that that's a that that's a appropriate at all in in the in that context. I mean, in the context of the plot of a uh a porn movie, that's different. But this is real life. Here's, I'm not gonna and say, it's totally disgusting. I'm not going to say the name of the person, uh, but here's a comment on the Global News website. So they have posted yeah. the story. It's a straight up news story. It's a, a woman responder saying it's not abuse with two willing people. Oh, and again, here's what I'm going to say about that. Is, is that a, is that really a male behind a female profile that's commenting online? I mean, I, you know, and I, I'm telling you, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of guys out there who are, uh, who are spoofing, who are, you know, hiding behind female identities, even online. But is there a different attitude? That is not something that a a normal woman would say, and it's not something that a normal man would say. Is there a different attitude, though, between a 
female taking advantage of a situation with a younger or vulnerable boy or man and a male taking advantage of a younger or vulnerable woman? I would say absolutely there is. There's a difference? There's a different attitude towards that. Different one attitude. Is, one is seen as maybe not right and one is seen as really repulsive and really wrong. The degree of anger of, of public response to that, I think, is very different. Meaning that if a male is the perpetrator, the, the perpetrator or overpower, that that's way more horrific than a female doctor jumping on a, a male adult patient. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio, diving into it right off the bat today, uh, about the story out of Toronto of this female oncologist who lost her license this week, oncologist, cancer doctor, uh, who lost her license this week because after diagnosing a patient and beginning him on his therapy, she launched into a sexual arrangement, a sexual relationship with him and got caught after they broke up and he reported it. And we're just saying, asking before the break about why is it that if a woman... Thank God she got caught, by well, the way. Why, why do we seem to have, and I believe we do, seem to have a different reaction, a different response, yeah. a different degree of disgust when a woman is the one in the lead position here as opposed to a man. Meaning I, a lesser level of disgust. Well, yeah. So, a lesser, so I'm saying if, a guy, if it had been a male doctor that did this to a vulnerable female patient there would have been way more outrage. This story would have got way bigger legs. There would have been more people screaming for this guy's head. Let me read you, and I've just, I've just picked a newspaper from Toronto that covered this. Yeah. Let me just read you. I think you're right about that. A few of the comments, that, and I, these are just the, the, I didn't even go through the whole list. These are the top comments, the first ones that pop up. Um, if both consented to it, why not? Are adults not allowed to make decisions? Sorry that happens. No, they're it, not. But it was likely the best thing that could happen to a guy going through cancer uh, treatments. N- another one. Hey, two consenting adults and she put a smile on his face during difficult times. Who cares? Uh, um, disgusting. Uh, th- thousands of women have done, in, uh, she didn't hurt anybody. Why punish people for harmless behavior? She Some group of people somebody. don't approve. Um, on and on and on. They're all like this. If this had been a guy... And and here's another thing. There is a website that you can find online. I don't have the name of it right now. I can look it up. That keeps track, that monitors all the cases of female middle school, high school, elementary school teachers who are busted, who are charged with sexual relationships with students. It is an amazingly, shockingly long list. Really? And most of the time you see these stories... They don't go anywhere. And if they do go somewhere, it's because people go, oh, that guy, look at that guy. Look how lucky that grade seven kid is. Look what he got. That teacher's hot. Look at what, you know. And even if it was a really good looking male teacher of a grade seven girl, nobody would ever say, lucky girl, look at the guy she nabbed. That would never happen. And I'm wondering why the difference, why we... Is it, do we feel like if that, that guys are just so sexually out of control that if you can find any woman at any time, then it's a good thing? I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. I don't know what the reason is either. Um, but in both, you know, in the examples that you've given that people have commented on, um, you're talking about uh, professionals that have licenses to practice. Um, based on uh, you know a predetermined set of rules set of rules and a um, and a trust that goes into that that's uh, very very serious and 
And so, um, you know, it's easy for, for trolls online of all shapes and sizes and forms and figures to say, lucky him, lucky her, lucky whatever. I mean, they just, these are just, most of the people that comment online are idiots. But do you believe- They are. Mo- but, uh, and I don't disagree with that. But do you believe that most people, if you were to ask them in confidence where their voice was not, they weren't going to be well, embarrassed? I agree with the idea that, the, I'm sorry, no, I didn't no. mean to interrupt. I agree with the, the, the whole notion that if it's the if it's the male perpetrator, that the blow up is is much much larger. The media coverage is much much larger. The outrage is much much larger. There's no there's no doubt about it. It shouldn't be that way, but it is. And so, um, I agree with that. And maybe that's just by volume and statistics that 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 outrage has been created or that response has been created. Because the truth of the matter is, statistically, it's males that commit these acts mostly. It's not females by statistics that do it very often. So, so see, I think the, I, maybe, maybe no, it, it's true. Well, no, I'm, t- I'm talking when you're talking about cases of adults in control over kids and that kind of thing. I think there's an awful lot of women that it's are involved still, in this. It, no, it's predominantly, it, there's it's a majority of men. Predatory behavior men. belongs to the male species primarily. And you, and statistics will bear that out. Read a book by Gavin DeBecker called, um, the gift of fear. It's a great book. I'll say it again. The Gift of Fear, Gavin DeBecker. Read it um, and, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It, you know, I wouldn't say that if I didn't honestly believe that was the case, but you don't have to take my word for it. Do your own research. Check this book out. Yeah, no, somehow there is a there is a feeling, and again, I, I just get this. Men that, are the predatory that, types. That if, Not if, always. No, no, that, that women are... That you're really there's really no damage if a woman does it to a guy. That's that's the that's the perception. It's not really a damage. The guy, you know, maybe he gets his feelings hurt a little bit, but you know, look what he got out of totally it. incorrect. Oh, uh, fair enough. I Absolutely agree. Absolutely incorrect. Men are equally traumatized by the heinous, predatory, manipulative things that women pull, and to be a a patient of a of a female doctor who would engage in that kind of behavior. Um, regardless of, you know, it's the, it's the very vulnerability, perhaps I'm theorizing a little bit here because I don't know all the, the details, but if that man who's been battling cancer is maybe winning that battle, he's, he's in a vulnerable, uh, position. He may view that doctor as a savior of sorts. Um, and, and therefore he's, he's at a disadvantage to her if she wants to have sexual relations with him. And, uh, she should never be allowed to ever practice medicine again. Well, so just some more of these comments. So this woman loses her profession because she had a fling with a patient. This society a has gone nuts. A patient. Two consenting adults <laughs> should be the rule. Forget this unspoken rule. Uh, another one, if this was consensual and she was aware of the delicate situation, what's the it problem? Does, it doesn't even, it, there, there's no In such. In fact, it could have helped hey, him through hey, it. There's no, what people got to understand is there's no such thing as consensual in a, in that type of a situation because the relationship is established as doctor to patient. There's no such power. thing as consent. No, it's a power situation. There. It's a power it's, imbalance. It's a total power imbalance. It, it totally flies in the face of the rules and regulations of the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario. This is an Ontario case, I'm assuming. Yes, Toronto. Then you're totally in violation. You're in violation of every ethical standard there is and, and, and moral standard there is that's tied to your professional license. And... For you to think as a doctor that this would be okay 
Never mind, can I get away with it? That's a different thing. Can, whether you can get away with it or not, it doesn't matter. You have to do the right thing. And if you can't make the right call as a licensed physician, you have no right to practice. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I want to talk about something that has been probably, I don't even think probably, I think absolutely the topic of the week that has been discussed more widely than anything else anywhere in North America. And that is something that appeared on first blush to be a very clear case of racism, of um, elitism, of all kinds of things. And then you watch a little more of a video that was provided and things get a lot more complicated. We're talking about that case down in Washington with the students from the Kentucky High School and the native drummer and the black Hebrew, can't remember the proper name of the group, but I think that's League or something. Something like that. And... On day one, when this story came out based on this 90-second video or something, it looked entirely damning for the kids who were there, the students, and it led to a, you know, a huge number of stories, a social media deluge. A couple days later, we have exposed to us a two-hour, if, if anyone cared to watch it, about a two-hour video of the entire context of the thing. It didn't entirely, in my mind, exonerate the students, but it certainly made it a far more complex, complicated, not crystal clear picture of what And that's all fine if we're running a trial, but if it walks and talks like a duck on a balance of probabilities, it's a duck, and it's a duck. So you think they, the kids they are were entirely... Twerps. Absolutely. No question about it. I mean, that punk who was standing in front of that uh, indigenous man um, was doing what... Uh, a lot of yahoos like him do trying to uh, garner um, likes on his Facebook page by looking like the big man in front of a bunch of his buddies while he wears his uh, um, making uh, America horrible again hat and um, uh, standing there with the, this smug look on his face. There's no, there was no reason for him to be as close to that man as, as he was. That was pure intimidation. Anybody seeing that would think the same thing. There's no other way to see it. Well, l- let me bring a different, different. <laughs> no, because I if, knew you would bring another way to. Well, see no, it. because I, as I say, I don't, I don't, I don't exonerate them completely. But that kid who <laughs> has had his life threatened, whose school has had to, which close, I'm not in favor of, no, no. by the way. Uh, he was standing there and didn't move when the native drummer actually came up to him and got right in his face. And and un, unlike what was said initially by the indigenous man, they didn't surround them. They didn't threaten the black. It was the it was the black Hebrew guys doing all the threatening. The point of this is, I th- social media to me, the media t- to a large degree as well, because when we jump to conclusions, this is a this is a dangerous, dangerous thing. And we do it a lot. One hundred percent agree. We all need to have a hot take right now and be the first one out. And I look at this and I think, yeah, look, you're right. I don't think anybody in this story comes across looking good. I don't think anybody does. But when you watch the entirety of this thing, the New York Times, who are far from a defending of anybody wearing a Make America America Great hat, hat, uh, they said, we got this entirely wrong. The Toronto Star, not a right-wing publication, said, we got this entirely wrong. And I look at this and I think, well, how many times on social media and the media in general... Have we had to now say we've jumped to a conclusion on something and we've got it entirely wrong before we 
and, and especially social media, we learn our lesson and say, you know what, maybe I should wait for five minutes until I've actually done a little, till some of the other shoes oh, yeah, drop here, here. here. First before facts. It's, you know, that was a rule for a long time. And I think every network got burned by that at, at one point or another. I don't think any of them got out of that one. I mean, I can't think of one network that... Oh, they've all had it happen. You know, newspapers and too. And um, and there's errors, right? Like, I, I've, I'm the first one to say that if you're in the media, if you're writing and per broadcasting lots and lots and mm-hmm. lots of things every day, there will be errors. For sure. The errors that I think are so difficult for me to wrap my head around are the ones where it's because you haven't decided to look into... You've taken the surface thing and responded to it. I agree. It's dangerous to do that. It's dangerous to do that. Um, it's dangerous to take, as you say, a snippet of something um, without the full story wrapped around it or the context or or what led to it. And in, you, and in this case, you know, you, you've said that uh, I didn't see the two-hour video. So, you know, I don't have that advantage. You do. Um, and you've said that, you know, it was the indigenous drummer who moved towards the young man and and got and got close. It's it's just the young man didn't back away or didn't try to do something else. And as you've said, you know, there's something to be said for everyone's involvement in creating, I suppose, what was ultimately deemed to be a negative thing by by most people. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess you gotta you gotta. And you could, you know, look. Anyone could watch that entire video. I still say he was a punk and come who to was a trying to conclusion. stir up crap. He could have, he he could have, you know. I don't know what you're going to say. Well, the indigenous man could have taken the high road and backed away a few steps. Yeah, but you know, I would. Or the or the black Hebrew guys could have not been yelling epithets at the like everybody in this. As I say comes across not looking and, good. And don't and and let's be clear here. This was not a there were good people on all sides. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> like no. the thing where you know Charlottesville it no, was No, no. Everybody in this ends up looking bad to me. But Jamie, the point of this was we don't seem to have now the 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 regular media to some degree for sure, but also social media. The average person now with a Twitter handle, with an Instagram account, we have no filter and we have no, seemingly no sense that perhaps wisdom would say, if there is a hot button issue, let's at least see where this thing goes before I flame everybody around. Because you know what can happen? If it turns out to that something changes, you're the one occasionally who ends up looking like an idiot because you didn't know what you were talking about. Yeah, uh, that's going to happen. That's going to happen in a in a world where... Um, you know, where I suppose journalistic rules and integrity, integrity across the board and character seem to be in short supply anymore across society, quite frankly. And so the truth becomes harder to find. And in order to find the truth, you have to dig through a lot more stuff and make judgments about it. And maybe even at the end of the day, you only get half the truth. Um, when you've got so when you've got everybody having a bully pulpit as a result of online conversation and discourse it changes everything i mean even the mainstream media is increasingly bringing in 
social media, into their reporting, into their, um, you know, into their presentations, their panels, their newscasts. And that, and I think there's a valuable place for that if you're delivering news. I'm not sure that I think that even the mainstream media should be using Twitter or whatever else to be flaming hot take takes on everything without before th- you know what it is. I think what people who if are you're at a, if you're at a, a school board meeting or if you're at a city hall meeting and there's a counselor saying something, I think Twitter's a sure that's a great place for the ongoing dialogue to be happening. Yeah, to send a headline out, but you know, I think what I think what the end user has to try to do more often is not be lazy. And as you said, not not just pick it up and assume that it's the truth. I think that you need to do a better job. All of us need to do a better job as end users in looking at things from different perspectives. I mean, one of the things that's happened, um, at least in the mainstream media, is you've got this completely polarized thing going on now where, where the right only sells the right and the left only sells the left. And, and people who are left or right only take in the media that speaks to them. 100%. No one crosses over. And so people that, so we'll we'll use Fox News in the States and CNN as, as, you know, the examples. CNN left, Fox right. Well, if you're watching CNN and you're watching Chris Cuomo every night and Don Lemon, then you should, you should be making it a point the next night to watch, you know, I don't want Hannity's on, but Whoever's on, yeah. Fox, and vice versa, you should be you should be going back and forth because otherwise, how are you going to get different perspectives? Somebody I mean, said yesterday or the day before, I don't know when I read this word, and I thought it was a, a it was a brilliant assessment of what happened and how this particular video and the fallout from this are indicative of something. He said this this moment. And how you responded to this was a Rorschach test of where you are politically. If your immediate reaction was that kid standing there is a wrong, punk. is a, a punk. punk. Don't call again, lady, then by the way. Probably, I know you hate me. It's then okay. probably Lots of you are do. a liberal or a Democrat. And if you look at it and say the indigenous guy is the idiot, then probably you're a Republican you're or right wing. Well, that, that, that would probably. I, well, that'd be the first thing. Yeah. That would certainly be in the mix. Or, yeah. That would certainly be in the mix. But I, uh, the thing that just got me when I watched this thing, and then as I say, when I watched most of the much broader video, I didn't see every minute of it, but you fast forward over a few parts when it was slow. But when you watch the much broader one, you go, this is so much more complex a story. And I don't know where the initial reports were that somebody didn't say, I've got 90 seconds. Is there any more video out there? What what led to this? How did how did you end up nose to nose? Now I know they asked the drummer. Um, it it just and then immediately it leads to this flaming well, everywhere. And then there's and then there's a whole talk about what goes on behind the scenes and in newsrooms and how decisions are made about um, you know the editorial position on various things and you know anymore you've got. You've got, you know, a lot of millennials, a lot of people with not a great deal of life experience making decisions about how things roll no, out. Always, I wa- but sometimes. I, and I watched that on CNN uh, this morning on the Roger Stone arrest when a producer who is a guy in his 20s was on there and was actually smiling uh, while he was giving his report to the anchor live on the air. And I thought just the fact that you're smiling is inappropriate. Like, this is a serious matter. What are you doing smiling? There does, the, yeah. So everything's becoming theater. Anyway, sorry, I know no, you got to take a break. Everything, that's a perfect way to end. Everything is becoming theater. 
You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, yesterday, I had a fantastic chat with uh, Trevor Jimenez. Now, I don't know if you know who Trevor Jimenez is. Some people listening will have heard it last night. Some people won't. Trevor Jimenez is a Hamilton filmmaker, animator who works for Pixar now. Oh, yes, yes. He's Who is nominated nominated for an Academy Award. You can find that interview, by the way, at 900CHML.com. Go to shows. Go to the Scott Radley Mm. Show. uh, Find it there. Trevor, very talented guy. Great interview with him. Love talking to him. But we only talked about the animated short film category, which is what he is up for. Are you... Are you one of those guys when they announce the Academy Award nominations that is just gurgling with excitement over what comes up for the awards? Not at all. Because to me it's it's just an it's an industry inside thing and you know what is the best picture or the best actor is all subjective to does, you know, it doesn't matter to you. you if you've seen one of the movies you don't have a rooting interest okay, for that so, movie. So for example, so I you know I've seen, uh, I haven't seen Vice and I haven't seen A Star is Born, but I saw Bohemian Rhapsody. I knew you would have. Yeah. So, you know, do, do I think it, do I think it qualifies as the, as a best picture for, as a winner? Probably, probably not. I, I imagine there are some more meaty films in there. Do I think that Remy Malek should be, who played could, Freddie Mercury, who could be given a statue for his performance as freddie mercury yes i do i think that was that was the real thing about that movie i mean you know there was all kinds of things that were out of sequence and stuff in in the film but it was that film was really about his performance as freddie mercury so give him the statue for best actor if you feel like it he qualifies but i don't know about the film so yeah yes and no I, I don't get... I, mean, I thought there was 10. You? Well, no, and I thought there were 10 movies that usually get nominated now because they doubled it. There's only eight this year. There's Black Panther, Black Klansman. Didn't see that, didn't see that. Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, see that. Roma, didn't which see is that. a Netflix movie. Yeah, that's interesting. That's historical, meaning that, that, that Netflix has a film that's nominated. First time a streaming service has ever been part of this. Anyway. Uh, a Star is Born and Vice uh, for probably the... 10th or 11th year running, I go into this having seen zero nominated movies for Academy Awards. I've seen none of them. I've seen none. I I plan to see Bohemian Rhapsody. Some of the other ones, I'm sure when they do pop up on Netflix, I'm sure I'll watch Roma. But I'm, there was a time, and this is the funny part, and this is the reason I asked this. There was a time that it seemed like this was widely seen as a really big deal. That, that, among the public that they were really excited about debating what were the best movies and everything else. And I think those days are gone. I don't think that the days are still around when you go to have a coffee with someone and the automatic topic of conversation is, oh, what movie do you think is going to win the Academy Award? Once upon a time that existed, I and not that long ago. I think that's long gone. Well, and I think that that's because of the, again, the way we absorb films um, and, and the Netflix Roma thing is... is what I'm talking about. People live in, in homes with 50, 60 inch screens, with great sound, with streaming services, on demand, everything in terms of content. And, you know, yes, people still get up and go to the movie theater and want to sit in the theater and look at it on a big screen. And it's still a lot of fun. I still enjoy uh, going, but I don't go as much because I have these other things. There's one other point that I would make on this one. And you mentioned Bohemian Rhapsody. It's interesting you've seen that one 
Because when I look at the list here also, and I think this is a big part of why people may not be as excited about this. If you went to see Bohemian Rhapsody, you went to see it because it was a joyful thing. It was a fun thing about Freddie Mercury, about Queen. You felt good about it. Almost all the rest of them are issue movies, are serious dives into some Mm -hmm. often depressing but important topic. You know, again, it wasn't all that long ago that I'm thinking, like, Forrest Gump would never, I don't think, get a nomination anymore because it's light and fluffy and silly and... Yeah, and that's true. The the Hollywood uh, press, they stay away from... They they always snub... Well, it wasn't exactly a comedy, uh, but they tend to stay away from lighter fare or, or big comedic hits. stuff. But big, Bohemian Rhapsody did very well at the box office. Oh, yeah, it's massive. But all the rest of them, none of the rest of these, I don't think, were enormous blockbusters. They did okay. They did okay. But uh, I really believe that the Academy, whoever the Academy is... Uh, have have turned themselves, turned itself into almost irrelevance by seemingly wanting to be so elite that those blockbusters, well, we turn up our nose at the blockbusters. I agree. I don't need to look at the big blockbusters. I want to look at the art house films. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there's a tremendous amount of snobbery around this stuff and politics. Well, uh, yeah. You know, huge. Politics is, is everywhere. So you've got Lady Gaga... Up for Who I hear was very good. Best actress. I haven't seen the film. I've heard she was clips good. And she, yeah, and I'm a big fan of hers simply because she's extremely versatile and seems to be very authentic in in terms of her art and in terms of her personality. I don't know that well, but it just seems that way. And because well, she's very short. Exactly. That's why I cheer for her now. And and <laughs> and Glenn Close, but Glenn Close is in there. So does Glenn Close get it because she'd be the sentimental favorite who's been nominated six times think it's six times previously and has never won and she's a you know she's a um she's royalty uh among actors or does gaga who's this kind of funky faro david bowie-ish um david burnish type pop star who can really act does she get it hey because, i got a question for you about that does she get snubbed because of that? i got a question for you on that topic right there ahead. are no people on the planet who are more liberal than the Hollywood folks, why do they have a best actor and best actress category as opposed to we're all one? Why don't we just not have a best acting category? Because why would we separate men and women and determine that we're different? We know that it's a great question. You you can decide who you are. Why are we separating you by gender? You're absolutely right. These would be the people that I would have thought would have already, but you want to know something? When it, when push comes to shove, I don't believe they really because that that well, there's a chance. Then what if mm, what if this doesn't work out? Like, what if me, you don't identify as male? What if you don't identify as female? Well, and it, you're an actor. Like, really, you're you're raising a very interesting. I thought by question. now that the left, most left leaning, most liberal people in America, maybe in the world, would have maybe said nailed that by now. We got to get rid of these separate categories and we're just going to have an, and why best actor and best supporting actor really isn't the supporting actor just as important. Aren't they, they have smaller roles, but we're all equal in the grand scale. There's no such thing as little people and big people. That's not how we do our society. We're going to have one award for acting and that's it. Yeah. I wonder if Mike Myers is nominated for Bohemian as a supporting actor. Was he, he was in great that? in it. He was in it. He was the he was the uh 
the record company executive at EMI. He was the guy sitting there behind his desk with his beard and what are perm all, and dark glasses looking like Jeff Lynn from 1977. What are all the comedians do? That's the role. because Ray Romano was that in that uh, yeah, miniseries. V- v- vinyl. Vinyl. Yeah, and he, he was all great. The, all the funny guys are now record producers. Yeah. Myers anyway. was great. He said he had the best line in the film. Bismillah. Bismillah. Teenagers are not going to go around banging their heads to this in their cars. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne's World, yes. For those who missed that uh, it was reference, great. It was so good. That is, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I really, I, I, <laughs> I miss the days when it mattered to me. I, I wish that it. I, I wish that these things mattered to me. I don't but, think it ever did to me. Oh, I, to, to some degree, you, when Titanic, for example, and that's what twenty years ago was up. Probably most people, because most people had seen that movie. That's another big thing because we had, it was a blockbuster and you either had a rooting interest for it or against it. You wanted James Cameron to do well, or you wanted him to be shut out because you didn't like James Cameron. I don't, I don't know almost any, I don't think I know any of the directors. I don't really, I haven't seen, I've seen none of the movies. I don't know most of the actors. I don't think, I don't know. Uh, means nothing to me. And, and, and part of the reason it means nothing to you and probably a whole lot of other people, including me, is there's just too much content out there in general and too much of it is really good. So it used to be that if you wanted to see something really great, you didn't stay home and watch network television. You, you, you know, you went, you went to the theater and saw a film, a movie that they had spent a lot of money on that didn't have commercials in it. That was fantastic, well, except right? Except for 20 minutes at the beginning. Well, in those days, there wasn't. There was the national anthem and maybe a cartoon. There were no trailers and no ads for car companies. But but that that's the difference, right? So it, it was a bigger, better thing. But now, in the 60-inch uh, you know, LED universe, you've got Netflix putting tons of money into stuff. And you've got those same actors or actresses that we watched you know, 10 years ago, Actingers. 15, 20 years ago. They're appearing in these series on Netflix, and the uh, the production values are incredible. Sandra every Bullock bit, in Bird Exactly. Box. Great example. Every bit is good or better in some respects than the stuff that's on the big screen. I may do that. On Academy Award that's night, I may in. do the Bird Box test, put on a blindfold, and then not watch any of it, just to <laughs> blind myself from these stupid Academy Awards now. Well, except for Trevor Jimenez, who I will be cheering for, and who promised me yesterday on the air that when he wins his Academy Award, when, not if, when he wins... He'll come on my show? He's going to come here oh, and sit in my here. studio, and I am going to caress his Oscar <laughs> and maybe make a bolt for the door. I don't know. We'll see. Is that what they're calling it now? Something like that. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.